All right, everybody. Well, that was another uh, terrible loss by the Chicago Bears this season. Seems like we're getting pretty used to this. So, I, you know, I think I'm a little bit emotionally numb to it. Um, it's not like we were playing for anything, honestly. So it doesn't hurt as bad. Andy Dalton, four picks. Reese, uh, wh- what was your analysis of uh, the Red Rifle's performance today? I know that uh, he's a very contro- controversial figure within the Bears fandom. Uh, <laughs> many people are saying, hey, he might be the guy for the long term. And others are saying, hey, he might be on the road to an MVP this season. Reese, yeah. takes. You know, I know the conditions were a little <laughs> bit the conditions were a little bit tricky. It wasn't optimal. It wasn't a, a 60 degree, you know, kind of just a little bit breezy day here in Chicago. You know, it was... A little bit more freeze and rain, but at the same time, I saw Kyler Murray and he wasn't perfect, but he laid a couple of balls into receivers that were, you know, didn't look like the conditions affected him too much, especially for someone that this is the second time playing in the rain. And, you know, Dalton, two of those picks, probably not so much. I and mean, the first pick was pretty much his fault. It was a poorly thrown ball. Um, the Comet mm-hmm. tip, eh, you know. Not his fault. Not quite his fault, but still, <laughs> to rack up four picks in a game was was not optimal. But I can't say that I'm completely surprised. I mean, this just looked like a very simple Bears offense. I mean, the the chosen play was to to get the running back out into the flat, that being David Montgomery, and throw it to him. <laughs> that was really the yeah. the chosen play of the game. So it was nothing too complex. And, uh, yeah, I think the real bright spot, the happiest Bears fans were the people that had David Montgomery on their own fantasy team. And <laughs> everyone else just kind of watched a pretty typical Bears performance, at least for this year. Yeah, you know, the the sad thing is I can't say that I'm uh, exactly uh, surprised either. I think what what's so sad about this game, though, is I felt like the Bears offense outside of Dalton played a pretty complete game. You know, they kind of were what they should have been all season, which is like control the ball, you know, do some nice swing passes. And then if we had Justin Fields in there, it would have been nice because we would have had kind of more of a balanced downfield component as well. Uh, Unfortunately, we have Andy Dalton, but still Dalton, I mean, as bad as he played, he for stretches of the game was holding on to the ball, you know, moving the ball efficiently. It looked like a much more efficient offense. Um, as far as game plan goes, I think Matt Nagy actually did a good job. And you, it's rare to hear Matt Nagy uh, support from me, like extremely rare. I've been calling for his firing uh, many times since last year. So for the fact that me coming out and saying, hey, this is a good game plan, pretty good play calling, um, you know, it was good. This good defense. Cardinals have a good defense. Obviously missing J.J. Watt, but still a really good defense. I think by DVOA, they're one of the top this year. Have a lot of good defensive backs. Uh, they did a good job just by testing their tackling, you know, uh, all, getting David Montgomery, feeding David Montgomery the ball. Um, David Montgomery looked fantastic today. Uh, looked really, really dominant. And it was unfortunate because it looked like the quarterback was working against Matt Nagy and David Montgomery. One of Matt Nagy's best play call and by the way he was play calling by the way so let, let, let's talk about that for a minute he was play calling when Dalton's uh mic went down Matt Nagy was using a radio uh to to put in the call so it was not laser it looks like Nagy might have taken that play calling duties back uh we'll we'll get to that in a minute but as far as probably one of Matt Nagy's most complete games as a head coach as far as just how well the play calling was we even had the little trick play um, that could have went disastrously, but Dalton actually kind of dug us out of a hole. I think it went to Joaquin Grant uh, somewhere like 30 yards on the field. It was yeah. a great play. 
great play design, great play call, decent execution, you know, offensive line always working against us still. Um, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate that Dalton did ruin that game for Matt Nagy because we, there, I mean, there's a very realistic possibility we end up winning that game if Dalton doesn't throw as many picks as he threw. You know, it, yeah, we, we I mean, did a good job controlling the ball and playing decent defense with as many injuries as we've had. Yeah, they were they were really inopportune turnovers, you know, especially the the Comet where he tipped it up. I mean, they were within the red zone at that um, instance. You know, I, I think that Arizona didn't really have too much too hard of a time punching the ball into the end zone. Um, so I think that if Arizona got into a bit tighter of the game, they could have put it on. I, I think they could have kept away from the Bears for the most part, but it certainly could have been a much closer game, um, in my opinion. But I, I know exactly where you're coming from there. As for Nagy calling the plays, I think it's just when he's with a quarterback like Dalton, it's it's just simpler for him. You know, I, I think that he plays or play calls a little bit more within what feels natural to him. And I don't know if what we see with Justin Fields is something similar to what we saw with Mitchell Trubisky, where it seems like the offense gets completely changed for what's at at hand. But I don't know. It just I think that it's just easier for Matt Nagy for whatever reason when someone's like a typical pocket pass like that for him to to play call. So, you know, I don't want to give him too much credit. I think that it could have been a closer game. It wasn't the worst game um, by the Bears this season at all. I mean, like you said, they they at least look decent stretches, but we've seen that in so many points this season where, you know, this Bears team is good between really the two 20s especially on offense, mm-hmm. on the football field. But anything else, if it's backed up within their own end or once they get into the red zone, it, it gets it gets tricky for them. Um, but luckily today, I will say, you know, props to getting Jimmy Graham involved. Uh, finally found him back in the red zone again. So, you know, something that we should have seen a lot more earlier on this season. I think the weird thing with Matt Nagy is he actually does want to push the ball downfield. But it's almost like when he knows that he can't do that anymore, he does better job because he he has a lot more balance to his play calling. Yeah. So when he with Justin Fields, I mean, obviously you want Justin Fields to hit as many deep passes as possible, but it also needs to be a balanced attack. And especially with the offensive line we have, this is what doesn't get discussed enough. The offensive line we have doesn't allow Justin Fields to play to his strengths well enough because they don't give him enough time for these deep passing throws to develop. That's why when you see the Bears make a good deep passing play, it's typically when Justin Fields is extending the play himself. Uh, it's just this offensive line. Sam Mustafer sucks. Um, could barely snap the ball today. Um, you know, that Jason rough, Peters. You know? It's like this is in high school. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. T- terrible. I know it's a, a wet ball, but like, come on. I mean, you don't have a hard job. Um Jason Peters, you know, as good as he's been for us, he's also an older guy. He's not he's not holding uh, players in, in check as much as he used to. Larry Borum will get beat here or there. Uh, same with James Daniels and Cody Whitehair. I think there's just uh, a lot of instability because of that center position being so off. Um, so I th- that's why I think Matt Nagy sometimes looks a little more confident of a play caller with Andy Dalton is because he just knows that he's not really going to be able to make that happen. So he focuses so much on making the easy ga- game happen. Whereas, and that, that's also why we saw Mitchell Trubisky have a little bit of success with us at the end of last year is because he gave up on the idea that Mitch would ever develop into this franchise quarterback and started focusing more on just making plays happen to essentially save his job. If Matt Nagy could have a more balanced attack in his play calling, where not only is he able to call these deep passes, but also is able to work the short game 
Um, I think it would be great. I know Justin Fields could develop a little bit closer on those like little out routes, uh, like three, four yard out routes. I know uh, also like the one thing that I couldn't understand is they did such a good job today with having the blitz killer package on every single play. They had a blitz killer with David Montgomery rolling out. Where are these with Justin Fields? Yeah, that was that was It's always new. spread out wide. It's like that, yeah. that is like the the number one thing you want for a rookie quarterback. Kyler Murray had it all day long too. Yeah. It's just it, he scored that, a touchdown that's like on the, it. that's just the weird that's just such a weird thing with me with Matt Nagy is he's so bipolar in the way he calls plays. So he like it's either everything we're going, you know, all spread offense, uh no running back, um you know, we're not even going to have a tight end, and or maybe we'll have a chip block. Maybe not. Depends. Um, or it's like we're going to go all heavy set. We're going to run the ball. It's like there's no in between. There's no. There's so. It's so predictable in that manner when it comes to having Justin Fields in the game. Yeah, like the uh, literally the first play of the game. It's like oh, we brought in extra linemen. It's the first play of the mm-hmm. game. First and ten here. I wonder what the Bears are going to do. You know, and I understand Mm -hmm. establishing the run. I mean, that's huge. We're even seeing that come back into the NFL more. I think the run game, you know, lost its importance significantly about three to five years ago. And then now it's it's already swinging its head back around. I mean, look at what the Patriots are doing. Look at some of these other Mm -hmm. teams in the league. So I get the I get the want to establish a run like that. And the Bears have, you know played their best when they have a balanced offense and look at today they're able to drive the ball down the field well especially when they put it on the legs of montgomery but yeah it's a complete puzzle to me why we don't see that with justin fields especially on just how many dump offs we saw to montgomery today where he's able to pick up close to 10 yards or eight yards and when that's a first and second down play that puts you so far ahead of schedule and and that's why we've Mm -hmm. been able to see the bears just kind of to stay on top of things like that it just seems like when whoever's play calling, you know, whether it be Bill Lazor or the little bit that we saw um, Matt Nagy do the play calling for Justin Fields. It's like, for whatever reason, we're not doing that. The offense always seems so off schedule and and just the simple things early on, it was getting extra people into the backfield to block. And then now where it's like in Justin Fields progression, okay, give him that check down so he can go ahead and make that play. It just doesn't seem to be available. There was so much chip blocking today as well. Like, how? I mean, how many times was Cole Komet chipping a wide receiver, or sorry, chipping an edge rusher, and then just, you know, uh, falling out to the flat and catching a pass from Dalton? It happened all game long. Yeah. You know, and that, that's like, those like f- four or five yard catches, they really, really add up. And exactly like you're saying, we get so behind schedule because it's the plays for Justin Fields are either a 20 yard catch down field or him getting sacked. There's no in-between with that. Um, even like having something like a late shallow crossing route. Um, we saw a couple of those today. I think uh, Rodney Adams was on one where he dropped it. Um, I guess I wasn't as shallow, but it's like one of those things where it's, it's like, like a if you have a wide receiver. Or even a drive yeah, it, route, you know? It, it's like those are the easy things. Like especially with like a zone, when they're in zone, which a lot of teams go into because of Justin Fields to control his mobility. Um, it. It's one of those things where it's like these are common sense things, and that's what's so difficult with Matt Nagy is you'll see him have a game like this, and then the next week it's like, what are you doing, Matt Nagy? I don't necessarily think that he is a 
bad, bad coach. I think he could find success elsewhere, but he's definitely a coach that needs an established quarterback. I don't have any faith that he's going to be able to develop uh, Justin Fields. I know that we have seen growth in Justin Fields, but I don't really attribute that much to Matt Nagy. I think that's more so uh, John DeFilippo, who's one of the best quarterback coaches in the NFL and someone that I hope we maintain for the next coaching staff. Yeah, and... I agree. I think that, you know, over the course of the season, we saw progress with Justin Fields. And it's weird that no matter, even in a game that, you know, Justin Fields didn't play, we're only seeing the shots of him on the sideline that we're still talking about it. But I think it's just note, you have to note it because of how strange the disparity in play calling. And we saw it with Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel, too. It was always mm-hmm. two different Bears teams. It always has been. And I think the point that you hit at that was pretty right on is just like, you know, Matt Nagy has a certain thing where if he if he feels like he needs to press it for whatever reason, like he did with Trubisky, like maybe he feels a little bit with Fields, or when a Chase Daniel comes into the ball game, he's kind of just like, okay, well, we're gonna sit, like shorten things down a little, but it's still gonna be somewhat sensible. We're still gonna spread things around a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess another little small highlight. I mean, they are finding ways to to use Jakeem Grant well as well mm-hmm. i mean getting him and a- uh bird bird today man Demir bird. where has he been all season he's had a bunch of gr- he had a bunch of great catches today yeah and i know some people in particular especially some other bears analysts um have been calling for him to get you know some more playing time yeah i, I don't know it, it, i don't think again. it's a playing time thing i don't think it's a playing time thing i think it's a utilization thing i think that yeah. bill laser as much as we saw a lot more competency when it came to balance when he came in, he's still a bad play caller. Like, he's still not good. Like, we still don't have a good play caller on this team. That's why he's never had a great offense. And it was, I mean, we can even go back to the the hiring of him as a major flaw from Matt Nagy because they hired him because he had experience with Nick Foles. He got fired from Cincinnati, you know? We, instead of going and poaching or, or trying to get a, a better offensive coordinator, we just went after him because he had experience with Nick Foles. Now we don't even have Nick Foles on the team. Yes, he also had experience with Andy Dalton, which is probably why Andy Dalton ended up becoming a bear anyways. But, I mean, it, it's just he's also not good. Matt Nagy, maybe if we had a good play caller as our offensive coordinator, he could be a good coach because he seems to be well-liked in the locker room. Um, but man, it's just, it's, it's so bad. It's just the, the process, everything is bad. And it's sad that he had a good game as a head coach, in my opinion. I mean, the fact that how well we played despite having four interceptions and then our defense, not having a single sack. I mean, that is just, that's incredible. Truthfully. Um, and, and really though, it just points out more of his flaws. And that's the sad part is we do need to get a head coach, uh, a new head coach. And um, I, I hope Matt Nagy the best, but like, it's just too hot and cold. That's just always what it's been. And the other thing that he did well today too, is how many times did we go for it on fourth down? And it worked almost every single time. Yep. Like I, it's like the, the passiveness, the rain today drew him out of his passiveness state. He couldn't depend on Cairo Santos because he knows with a wet field, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, that changed everything. And, and we saw an aggressive side. The conditions definitely, I think, brought out, in a weird way, it brought out the best in Matt Nagy today, <laughs> in mm-hmm. a very weird way. And I will say this. It's a shame that Justin Fields didn't play today because really the ultimate mm-hmm. irony, the ultimate irony of this game that we haven't even hit on yet is that the offense that the Bears need 
was the offense they were playing against today. If you want mm-hmm. like an offense that flows in a way that you're like, I-, I wonder how the Bears offense should flow. How should we utilize players like Montgomery, who uh, on the other sideline, James Conner, a-, a bigger person, but plays the game a lot like David Montgomery. You know, they, mm-hmm. Even even the Arizona Cardinals have a lot of pieces like Rondale Moore, you know, shift or a shifty quick guys that the Bears have and have loaded up on and use on their offense. Mm-hmm. And they utilize them. You saw that today in Arizona and how they're able to put up 30 points. It's like the Bears mold a lot of the players that they have on their roster. And even that's why uh, Tony Romo a few weeks back is saying, oh, I like a lot of the players I see on the Bears roster. It's really it's not even an issue of the pieces. It's what you went on mm-hmm. to earlier with utilization. And and that's purely I think that's where Matt Nagy has failed on this team. And we didn't quite get to see it today because we were watching the Andy Dalton offense. So it's a little bit different. But as far as just like wide receiver and passing scheme goes and utilization of the, you know, the modern running game, you're looking at a team that's executing that better than you. So it's kind of almost mm-hmm. like a, a take notes type of situation. And the biggest thing that the Cardinals did today is they weren't even like their offense from the, tw- from 20 to 20, they weren't even that good. Their yeah, offense really. today wasn't that good. I'm sure it was uh, partially because of the conditions, partially because they just got Kyler Murray back after not having him a while, so he was probably settling it in. But what they did do is when they got in the 20, they scored, which is something that the Bears fail to do all the time. If you yep. want to talk about the offense that was better between the 20s, it was the Bears today. Out of the, out of the Cardinals and the Bears, it was the Bears today. And the fact that the Bears moved the ball as well as they did while Andy Dalton threw four picks, and we can say that this was a good offensive performance from the Bears, is really showing just how bad the play calling has been for Justin Fields. Because Justin Fields does everything on his own. He has no help from anybody. His wide receivers are dropping passes left and right. We saw that a little bit with Andy Dalton today. There, I mean, he has nine... He has, Eight picks off of seven interceptable passes, which is just inexcusable. It's just showing you how many times the ball is hitting the receiver in the hands and going over. And it's not like what happened to Dalton today where fields are throwing the pass behind the wide receiver and the wide receiver is just trying to like get a hand on it to like try to bring it down. That's not what happens. It's multiple times for Justin Fields. I think I counted five of his interceptions. Five of his eight interceptions, it hit a wide receiver square in the hands. And it it bounced right off of him. It's just it it's it's laughable. Um, something that I do want to say though is Robert Quinn. It's kind of interesting. He might get credit for two sacks today, even though he didn't really have a sack because he got the wild car, wildcat play yeah. um, as a tackle for loss. And those can be kind of weird because sometimes they record him as a tackle for loss. Sometimes they record him as a sack. So we need to see how that transpires. And when Kyler Murray fumbled the ball on like his first passing play that was kind of hilarious because it just like slipped out of his hands and he jumped on the ball Robert Quinn was the guy that tapped him down and oh, a, yeah. apparently he's getting he's going to get credited for that sack as well so Robert Quinn if he gets both of them that's 13 sacks on the season what a season for Robert Quinn truthfully and that's that's damn near more than Khalil Max ever had on the Bears correct yeah yeah, Khalil Mack had 12 and a half in 2018. Yeah. He missed, he didn't play in like, the crazy thing though is he didn't play in like four games or he played yeah. injured in like four games. Yeah, but that, it's crazy that, you know, Robert Quinn has kind of surpassed any mark that in, in injuries have been a factor, but that Khalil Mack has set. And honestly, without him, and especially with the continued, you know, injury problems that we've seen with Khalil Mack, 
man, this pass rush would be pass rush would be a little bit off. I do like what I see from people like Travis Gibson, um, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and you know, if Robert Quinn wasn't playing the way he was playing, you know, the Bears wouldn't be up there as a league leading team in sacks. You know, I think that's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah, certainly. Um, Robert Quinn, I think a lot of Bears fans are sorry about that. Uh, Allen Robinson still didn't play today. Kind of have to wonder if he even wants to play. You know, he, he it's not like he had a significant injury. He just had a little pulled hamstring. And it's been, this is the third game he's missed from it. It's it's interesting, too, how the, the timing of some of the reports came out, too, when you think about it. Um, he had his... Uh, pod co- podcast co-host buddy broke that news that no one in in uh, the locker room likes Nagy anymore and then mm-hmm. he gets this injury and like he said it's just a pulled hamstring things are lingering around I think the motivation can at least be questioned <laughs> not that I'm absolutely mm-hmm. holding him to that and saying that he has no motivation giving to up play on for- on scramble drills for fields too earlier in the season it's 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 been a year to forget for Allen Robinson I think that you know, it, it's interesting how fa- other fans haven't quite picked up on it. I, I think that it's yeah. kind of been pretty clear just where the effort levels have been this year. And, you know, be be what it may, I, I'm not quite so certain that he even really wants to be here anymore. Even though in the media, whenever he's talking to the press, he says he enjoys his time here. I think uh, it, it's just a little bit of, a, I don't know what even the saying is, but the, whatever, whatever over the eyes, you know. He's putting the, yeah. the cloth over the eyes just to blind you a little bit. And then, you know, when you pull that cloth back up, he's going to be on a different team this offseason. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's in the best interest of the Bears. Whereas all my Bears fans wanting to extend Allen Robinson for, to a $22 million five-year contract, I hear crickets. <laughs> I hear crickets. Uh, and I think that was one of the things we got criticized most this offseason is being like, hey, Allen Robinson's getting a lot of yards, but most of them are on RPO little catches. Like, I mean, granted he's catching them, but still it's like, he doesn't look super dynamic. Um, He's getting some contested catches, but he also was getting the ball ripped out of his hands sometimes. Uh, Had a weird thing where he didn't have a drop where, which was kind of surprising. I guess they, they didn't, some of the passes, they didn't count as a drop because they thought it was too arid, but like, I'm pretty sure there was times where I saw drops from Allen Robinson um, you know, I think that Allen Robinson is exactly who I thought he was and who you thought he was last season. He's, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a number one wide receiver, but he's not a, he's not a top five guy for sure. No. And I, I think that you could put a lot of guys, uh, in the conversation before you even say he's a top 10 guy either. What, he's just what? not dynamic enough. What, He's what replaceable have, level talent. That's exactly. I was going to say, what did we say this offseason that has shown itself to be so true this year is that he's a replaceable mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. That's it. Flat out. Have he's, we even. I mean. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, he's been gone. We've missed him a little bit, but it's not like he's been that like it's not like he's been showing off that much this season. And Darnell Mooney has been the better wide receiver out of the two of them. Clearly. When both Dalton and and Fields is in the game, and and like that that is just like point proven. He made so much money off these little short passes, and now that the Bears are trying to be a little more dynamic in their play, he's not getting as much attention. He's not getting open as frequently. He's not getting the attention from the opposing teams that he was once getting. The other thing is, and I, I kind of want to bring this up. I know it's a little off topic, but uh, uh, Damir Bird, right? 
last season with the Patriots had damn near 700 yards. This year with the Bears, this is like his first game that he's actually like been catching passes. If that's not indicting on the difference between the situation that Mac Jones and Justin Fields is in, uh, it I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it, it's nuts. And, and when it comes to... Uh, yeah. I don't even know. The whole receiving situation is just weird because it's frustrating, you know? I feel like they're... Coming into this year, this should have been one of the best Bears passing seasons like ever. You know, you look at this receiving mm-hmm. core and you're like, wow, like they're actually low-key thick here. And even some of the additions they made a little bit later on, Jakeem Grant, that's starting to look like it's going to work a little bit. They have Marquis Goodwin. Marquis Goodwin has really shown in some games, and some games is just not quite there. And then, you know, not to dabble back away from Demir Bird, but when it comes to Allen Robinson, it was I remember making a huge point at the beginning of the season saying, wow, Allen Robinson could come really close to breaking that Bears record this year. Well, he can forget about that. Mm-hmm. Like, that is yeah. long gone. So Way out the window. It, it's it's interesting. Demir Bird, I mean, for his situation, it, it is odd that we've seen him get utilized so little. Um, I, I guess we'll really see if he's going to be a person that stays with this team moving forward based on um, how he's utilized over the course of the rest of the season. But, of course, it's going to be, you know, I would hope, um, <laughs> not likely the same quarter uh, coaching staff that's going to be there next year. So it's a really interesting situation. We got some some players that are probably wanting to go out there and really fight for future future roster spot, but might not be getting the shine of uh, the current coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this is the one question before we round out the wide receiver talk. I want to ask you. Would you right now rather have, or well, th- this is this is going into next season. Next season, Allen Robinson is probably going to get a contract very similar to Mike Williams on the Chargers, and also Penn State wide receiver on on the Bucks. I can't remember his name right now. Um, Godwin. Godwin, yeah, Godwin. I mean, well, I'd wh- which have, are those? I'd rather go- have either of those options. Yes. We're probably going to need to make a decision like this, and it wouldn't surprise me if we let Allen Robinson go. Who out of those guys would you rather have? Because for Mike Williams, the weird thing is with Mike Williams is as good as, as he's been, I mean, he's been really good in the red zone. He's a lot more dynamic of a receiver than Allen Robinson because he, even though he's pretty big, he can catch some downfield passes too, he which is nice. He catches a good amount of them, yeah. And... Uh, you know, he's kind of like the, he reminds me a little bit, this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but like the Derrick Henry of wide receivers where he's, he, he was super highly touted coming out of college and he's kind of gotten better as the seasons went on. And he had kind of an interesting skill set for his size coming out. Um, but he's, he's gotten a lot better. But the question is, is he kind of still has underachieved a bit. Um, I think for what, for where he was drafted at least. Um, whereas like uh, Godwin, you know, He's just been a really good guy, but he's not as he probably isn't as dynamic as Williams. Whereas he's more of a guy like he's the best slot receiver in the league, you know. And he's really he has really good contact balance, and he you know he can get some downfield passes too. But he's going to be a little more limited because he's probably mostly going to be a slot guy. Yeah, it's interesting because I think with Godwin, like off the rip, like. I like his game, and for the Bears, I would like it a little bit more. But then you kind of run into a little bit of an issue where it's like, well, sometimes Mooney likes to work out of the slot too. So do we need kind of two of like 
the players that are similar in like their playing style or at least where they want to be lined up sometimes. I still think a Godwin and Mooney on your receiving core would be a great, great one to 100%. Um, mm-hmm. But the difference in style between like a Mike Williams um, and, a, and a Mooney would be very interesting to see out on the field too. Um, with with Mike Williams, I think kind of the way I think about him, if I had to compare him to another receiver, is kind of like an Andre Johnson type a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's just a bigger guy. Um, but at the same time, he'll catch a ball on the sideline. And if he's got a step on the corner, he's probably still making it to the house. So he's not really sluggish mm-hmm. either. But, yeah, working the the middle of the field or, you know, he's not going to make some kind of real shifty move and beat a guy within the first five yards. It's usually a little bit more downfield. So it, it's a really interesting mix. I think I might learn, lean a little bit more towards Mike Williams. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like my first initial reaction would be, you know, if I was just picking either of them out of a hat, I'd probably take Godwin, if that makes any sense. I feel like Godwin's a better wide receiver, but I feel like Williams would be a better fit for um, for Fields. Yeah. Because w- Williams is really good in the red zone. Like, doesn't he have like 10 touchdowns on the season already? He's got a crazy amount, yeah. I mean, I think he's good all the way in, in the field, but he's just not going to do anything really too much like intermediate work and by intermediate i don't mean Mm -hmm. like 15 but i mean like in that 5 to 15 range that's just not really Mm -hmm. like his game you know no it's not he's but like that's the thing is like if we're trying to maximize field's deep ability especially if we got to get a guy like brian dable who has uh someone like stefan diggs which i know that it they're not similar wide receivers but still someone that's uh, a, a big deep threat and kind of just a mismatch guy, um, I feel like Williams might be a better player. But that's the thing with God. The weird thing I also worry about is having your number one wide receiver being a mainly a slot guy. Like that That's like the biggest concern with Godwin. But Godwin is just such a good wide receiver, man. Oh, Godwin He's so, is great. Yeah. He reminds me of like Jarvis Landry back when he was like really good on the Dolphins for a little bit. Um, like just like very prime, you know? But the, the, the criticism is like, how much of an advantage is a guy that will just get you more frequently than not like seven to 10 yards versus a receiver that can get some big plays and score a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, the, the stat line, you might get six or seven catches for 90 yards from Godwin and maybe three or four from Williams for, you know, that same yardage total or even more and and probably Mm -hmm. a couple touchdowns go alongside of it, which Maybe even just having that additional red zone help for this team would be would be great to actually give mm-hmm. Justin Fields someone to throw the ball up to other than Jimmy Graham when they do decide to put him in that situation. So, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting question, though. Absolutely. Okay, well, the uh, two other things we want to mention before we round it out. First, the Vikings lost to the Lions today. That's Ooh. hilarious. Happy we get to see the Vikings twice in the last five games of the season. <laughs> um, and then se- and then secondly, uh, let's just talk a little bit about the rest of the season. Yep. You know, um, we have the Packers on Sunday night football next week. Uh, kill me. Um, and then we have the Vikings, which is another uh, primetime game slot it's at the five fifteen. I, I th- yeah, that's a Monday. I, night. Yes, I. Th- it is a Monday night game. Yeah, it's a Monday night game. Um, and then we go Seahawks, Giants, and then Vikings once again. Um, how do you how do you think we're going to get through this stretch here? Uh, I I find it kind of interesting. Um, I don't I, think I, we're going to beat the Packers, no. but I, I think they can take uh, they can take two games. Actually, three. They can take three games. 
They can take the Giants, they can take the Seahawks, and they can get one from the Vikings. You know? But I think Really? You're only giving them one from the Vikings? I'm going to give them one from the Vikings. I think they'll split with the Vikings this year. And I think that's that's where they will end up. So they'll finish with seven wins this year, I think. Yeah, I think... I think we'll, well, I think we'll lose the Packers. Um, yeah, hot take. But <laughs> the the bigger thing is, I, I think that we're actually going to probably win out from there. And I think honestly, the the game that we're probably most likely to lose is the one against the Seahawks because I know the Seahawks are not good this year, but the Seahawks also have a lot of better players than the Bears do. So if it just gets to one of those games where the talent takes over. You know, I, I think that uh, the, the Seahawks could definitely beat us. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't feel completely comfortable saying that the Bears can take both from the Vikings because I figure one of them, Kirk Cousins, is going to have a, a bad game and one of them, Kirk Cousins, is going to have a good game. I think that's basically what I chalk it up mm. to. It's a coin flip in each one. And, um, yeah, I think the Bears can take one from them. Obviously, the Giants are kind of in a team that's in about as poor shape as the Bears. And, yeah, the Seahawks, the Seahawks is an interesting one. Of course, yeah, they do have some great players. Lockett, Metcalf, Russell Wilson's back, maybe not playing super great. Um, but at the same time, man, they've just found a way not to score points very similar to the Bears this year. So yeah. that could be a stunning, like, 13-6 to six game. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a real good point. Uh, is this is that at oh and we're at, at Seattle, so that's the one issue. Um, I think that what will probably happen. The Vikings have only beat Matt Nagy one time. It was when we had Nick Foles at quarterback. Whenever we had Mitch Trubisky, he would just go off against the Vikings. <laughs> now that we have Justin Fields, man, I just I I can't see us dropping that game. Um, Matt Nagy just has the Vikings defense edge. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but Matt Nagy, he wakes up and sees red on Vikings <laughs> and Lions days. Um, the Giants, if we lose to the Giants, man, this is, this podcast is over. We are canceling the podcast because <laughs> there's a solid chance to Daniel Jones is injured. I don't know if he'll be, I don't know the extent of his injury, but we could see the Glenninator yes. once again in the final stretch of, of our season like we did last time. If we lose, How if many we times have game, we faced if, Glennon? If we lose a game against Glennon, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you fire Nagy on the spot. That's what you do if you lose a Seriously. Game Seriously. And I I feel like the Bears played I, I want to say the Bears have played Glennon like each of the last three years. Which is kind of funny. That is weird. Which is kind of because I can't even remember what team he was on last year, but I do remember He was on the Jags last year. So we got lucky and we drew him on the Jags. This year we could see him on the Giants. I think we saw Glennon. Maybe not. I, I can't remember exactly, but I know that we've faced off against, I think, I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, we've, we've faced off against Glennon, though, a couple times, and uh, he is just still awful. Um, <laughs> that's that's still, like, the height of his career was still probably the, the league, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, probably the Pittsburgh Steelers game um, where he ended up upsetting them when they're actually fairly good. Um but yeah, it, it's it's kind of hilarious at this point. Man, it's gonna be an interesting run out to the rest of the season, though. This Bears mm-hmm. team never fails to still be entertaining. That's that's the thing. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, that is certainly for sure. Okay, get this. I just looked it up. So in 2018, Mike Glennon played on the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, and we played the Cardinals. I'm almost certain he took some snaps in that game. Okay. In 2019, he played the Ra- in for the Raiders. We played the Raiders. I don't think he actually played that game though. That would have been the in 2020, game, right? I think that was the London game. Yes, that was that was the re- that was such a bad game. Um, in 2020, he played for the Jaguars, and now he's playing for the Giants. Man, this guy's just looking for revenge on the Bears. He's like waiting for his opportunity. He waits for he's the probably schedule, sabotaging the, the starting quarterback every year, and he's like, he calls <laughs> every team that's got to play against. Him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, before we uh, shut out the show, I just want uh, your take right now. Uh, if the season were to end today, who would you be hiring as the Bears uh, head coach? Because I've I've talked myself into Dable since our last podcast episode. You've talked yourself into Dable. You know what? That past uh, Cowboys game wasn't super hot for uh, Kellen Mm-mm. Moore, and that's been a couple games now. Oh man, do I go? Do I go the Sean McVay route and go for the young genius, or do I go for the <laughs> the proven guy? You know what? Just to keep it separate for right now, I think I'll, I'll stick with Kellen Moore. I think I'd still be very happy with him, um, but I, I would be lying if I said that what I've seen the past couple of weeks hasn't been uh, completely great. You know, especially to mm-hmm. the point that you raised on our last podcast about just how many weapons he has to work with there in Dallas is. Uh, it's kind of nuts, and especially when mm-hmm. you compare that to Dabble and Buffalo, where you are looking mainly mm-hmm. at Stefan Diggs. <laughs> and you have Emmanuel Sanders, who somehow at the age of like 35 is like 600 yards. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, he, which, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I the the Bills have played some like scary close games. Like they, they nearly lost, to, or well, they did lose the Jaguars, which is just like, how did that even happen? Um Josh Allen was breathing down Josh Allen's neck. <laughs> that that game, I remember it was like the first time players of the same name not only got one Josh Allen, the edge rusher, got a sack on Josh Allen, oh, but yeah. he also got a pick off of right. him too. Nuts. So kind of hilarious. Um, but they, you know they've steadily rebound. Uh, they lost the Colts forty-one to fifteen, November twenty-first. Um, Colts kind of had a stretch there where they're uh, playing really well. But the thing is, uh, like, the more I think about it, whenever someone mentions to me, like, okay, Ryan Day, I'm like, okay, uh, or, or uh, Harbaugh, I'm, in my head, I'm always like, you're projecting a college offense to work in the NFL. And with Harbaugh, you actually have uh, experience showing that it, it probably, he, his offense didn't really work in the NFL. Uh, for a long stretch of time, most of that Super Bowl, the Super Bowl runs they had were built almost solely off of Vic Fangio's defenses. I mean, those 49ers defenses were crazy uh, at that time. Um, but like the, the the key element that I want to say with Dable is uh, in comparing him to college coaches is like you're looking to project a college offense that has worked to the NFL but with Dable, you know that his offense works in the NFL at this point, and you're refusing to project his NFL offense to work on another NFL team. Like it seems like there's a little bit of a gap of logic there. Um, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm hope, I'm hoping for Dable at this point. If we get Kellen Moore though, I'll still be happy. But more so, looking at Dable, Joe Brady just got fired today, which is kind of crazy to think about considering he had four head coaching interviews last year. Um, yeah. Nuts. I, what I will say is this. I just don't think that a college, not that a college coach should never be the route for a team. I think there's certain instances where it does make sense. 
Um, but I think for this Bears team right now, that's not the route that they need to go. Um, More I, often than not, they don't work. I do think that the Bears need some very kind of structural changes. I think a lot of those changes need to happen higher up in the office rather than a huge shakeup at the just coaching level with some kind of new inventive mm-hmm. scheme or, or something, some kind of new fresh face. Um, uh, uh, with the exception being Kellen Moore, which Chris he would bring his inventive schemes over. But I think the shakeup needs to happen at the top for this Bears organization. I still think that the coaching staff, um, or at least that of Matt Nagy, needs to go. But I think that if they go for someone like Dabble, who maybe is considered a more conservative option if that if you can even say that but um Mm -hmm. i still think that would be a very responsible and good hire for this team to go with yeah absolutely all right man well this was a longer post game than we expected but we thank you guys so much for tuning and listening uh i think we'll have another podcast up around thursday this week i would assume should be um so look out for one there. Uh, again, if you guys like our podcast, uh, obviously uh, we're we're hitting our we're hitting our uh, steam a little bit late in the season, but uh, we would really really appreciate it if you leave us a rating and review. We're going to be reading off every single one of those uh, once again moving forward. Um, so yeah, just just look out for that. Um, it's it, it's really important for us. It's really impactful. Um, and I, I, you know, we, uh, we, we, we don't charge you guys for this. So if our, if our little payment is the little, uh, little rating and review, you'd be helping us tremendously. Cause we see, we do see a significant view boost every single time someone leaves a rating and review. So yeah. once again, thank you guys for, uh, for those of you who have actually done that. Yeah, no, thank, uh, thank you all for the continued support, um, really with the podcast and the YouTube and, uh, everything else moving forward. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep on pumping out a lot more content now that we're really fully back in the swing of things. So just keep your guy, your eyes and ears glued to our channels. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Bear down. Bear down.